Good morning. I'm really praying that our hearts, after that, that worship, are just really open to who he is in this room today. And, uh, and when we get a glimpse of, of who he is, how powerful he is, what his name is, <laughs> then it invites us into a place of transformation. It invites us into a, into a response. And so I'm asking, Father, that today we wouldn't just hear a message, but that we would respond to the love of the Father and be forever changed for your glory, God. We are on um, week two of a series called Service and Sacrifice. And um, last week, Laura talked to us about washing the disciples' feet. And I don't know about you, but one of the phrases that just stayed in my mind all week was when she said, Jesus washed Judas's feet. She knew that Judas was going to, uh, he knew, sorry, that Judas was going to betray him, and yet he showed us what love and sacrifice and service looked like by, by going before him, even Judas, and washing his feet. And um, I just want to start with a potentially a modern day illustration of what that looks like uh, for us. Um, I want to show you two men who were actually about to prepare food for 30 people. They came in and they realized that the toilets were blocked. And uh, that wasn't okay. We need toilets. So they, they began to investigate what, what on earth was going on with these toilets. And they realized that there was a blockage in the drain where the sewage comes out. And they realized that before they prepared the food, before they led meetings, they needed to sort out this blockage. And uh, it is, I just want you to know that it's taken five months for me to be able to play this video because as you watch it, I also want you to think that the smell was so bad that actually for the last five months, if I'd played it, there'd have been, um, the, the two men would have, would have dry heaved um, out of this building because the memory of it is very clear and uh, sticks in our minds. So let me show you the modern day illustration of washing the disciples' feet. <laughs> you turn the volume up a bit, please.
Okay, watch watch us. I think that'll do. Thank you. I just want... Is this on? I just wanted... Are we off? I just wanted you to see um, the last bit, which was Paul having to run away before he got sick, which was so funny. It's about... It's one of the very few times I've seen him literally crying. Um, <laughs> you know, people ask, what, do, what does leadership look like? I want to say it looks like that. Because love looks like something, and often it's not pleasant. It's not. <sighs> so let's read the passage for this morning. John 15, I'm sure it's a very familiar passage to you. <coughs> Um, If you've got your Bibles, we're going to read from John 15, from verse 9. I'm going to read from a Passion Translation, just so that it feels and sounds fresh in your minds. Jesus has just been talking about the fact that he is the vine and we're the branches, that we're to abide in his love. It says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commandments, you will live in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands, so I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as I have loved you. Just going to read that again. This is my command. Love each other deeply as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you're my intimate friends when you obey all that I command. What did he just command? Love one another. Okay. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master's doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I've revealed to you everything that I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit and your fruit will last because whatever you ask the Father for my sake, he will give to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Jesus was speaking to his disciples just before he went to the cross. These were the, this was his important message that he wanted to, to speak over his disciples just before he, he left and he knew he was leaving them. So he goes, hey, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and then love one another. It's a really simple message, but when you look at it in the context of sacrifice and service, when you think about what he's actually saying, hey, this is how I want you to love one another, Lay down your life for your friends. Lay down your life for each other. Love them as I have loved you. 
Now, I know we've heard this message, and I know I've preached it probably more than three times already in this building, but I feel like we need (laughs) more. I feel like we need to allow ourselves to think, okay, God, take me out of my comfort zone. Show me what your love looks like so that I can love people the way that you love me. In Matthew 22, we know that somebody said to him, said to Jesus, what is the greatest command? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Throughout scripture, his message is one of of love. His message is one of relationship. His message is one of connection. I'm the vine, abide in me, stay connected to me, and love one another. Realize that you actually, by being connected to me, you as the branches are connected to one another through me. And this is where you get the John 17 passage where he begins to pray, Father, that they would be one as we're one. And he wasn't praying that for for these guys because I, I guarantee they've been living a life of oneness. They've been knowing what it's like to lay down their friends. But he's saying, but those that are to come, Father, let them be one as we're one. What does that look like? I know that um, the love that, that God is talking about here, we, we understand, don't we, that there are different words for love um, in the Bible and they're all expressing something different, but the word here is, is agape. It's about a sacrificial love. It's about um, a love that is others-focused and self-giving. It gives of yourself for someone else, and it's thinking about other people. And I know that we'll have got this message down when, when we have people chomping at the bit to help in the kitchen, when we have p- the, the um, children's leaders going, I never get to do kids' work because there's so many people that want to do this, because, because love looks like something. It looks like preferring one another, and it looks like giving up something of what I want in order to pour out for you what you need right now. And that's why I make no apologies for preaching this message again and again and again because it's his main message. It's a message of the Father that says it's all about love. It's all about connection. The word that actually, when it talks about um, you, my intimate friends, the word is... um, it's kind of this analogy of it's from the womb. And so our, our understanding of that is, is like a mother's love, isn't it? The sacrificial love of a mother that is exhausted and crashes into bed at night and then suddenly hears her child crying and knows that she has to get up and go and feed her baby. She doesn't want to. She doesn't feel like it. She doubts she's even got the strength to do it. But she finds something within her and she gets up and she feeds her child. It's a sacrificial mother's love that is preferring and and taking care of of those needs. And we know that Jesus demonstrated it for us. We know that he is not asking us to do something that he didn't show us what love looked like. I know it's a silly illustration um, with that. I just want it to stick in your heads. (laughs) 
That's simply that. I want you to go, do you know what? When we think that, that our leaders are out having coffee or speaking at whatever, actually, a lot of the time, they're just dealing with stuff that's awful, that actually costs them something. Alan said to me, it took three days to get the smell of that out of his nose. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. <laughs> we live in a world where, I've said this before, but where we celebrate independence, we celebrate that, that self-sufficiency, we need to, you know, if we've got our own house, if we've got our own job, if we take care of what we need, we can lock ourselves away in our little bubble and, it, and um, we don't need anyone else. And I, I want to say, Ur! to that message, Ur! it is not kingdom, it is not how you were designed, it is not what we're supposed to, uh, what, as, a, as a body of Christ, what it's supposed to look like. The world, the other message that we're getting really clearly at the moment is, hey, if you feel like it, you do it. Think about it. Think about what we're actually teaching our kids at the moment. Hey, if you want to do that, do it. It's fine. And I want to tell you that there is nothing about this message that you will actually want to do, (laughs) which is why Jesus commands it. You know, he's going, abide with me. Now, I've grown up in a church, uh, like, the, the message, so often I hear John 15 preached, and the, the focus is, abide with me. And it has to be that, because everything breaks down if it's not that. So I understand that that's, that's the message of the, that the Father's invitation is, he's like, Jesus gave up his life for you so that you could be one with him, you could abide with him, so that you know that your life source and that source of love and everything you do, you, you are connected to him and it flows through you. Okay, I, I understand that that's the message and that's what he's saying in the illustration. But then he goes, and this is what I command. Now he wouldn't command you to do something if you're gonna just feel like it. You don't take your kid to, to Disney World and go, hey, I'm telling you, you have to have fun. Because it's just all set up for fun. There's something of the Christian message that is not set up for love. It's set up for sacrifice. It's set up for service because it's set up to model who he is. It's set up to look different from what the world teaches. It's not about if you feel like it. It's about whether you're willing and you understand that he gave up everything for me and I get to model that for you. And do you deserve it? Do I want to do it? Absolutely not. (laughs) She's looking at Amy then, she's horrified. But do I do it anyway? Yeah. Because by that absolute, um, what's the word? Like that, that different message from what the world's saying, we invite the world to look at what love is. If you blend in and just go with the world's message, they won't see any difference in your life. This looks like something. We know, don't we, that the enemy's main job is to bring disconnection. He wants to bring division, division between your relationship with God, and division between people. We know it's a message of hate. It's the opposite message of love. And so he, all the time, he's trying to get in there. How can I divide these people? How can I divide these people? 
And Jesus goes, I'm commanding you to love one another. I want to <laughs> just put another picture in your head that you, I'm almost convinced that people will come back at me on this message because it doesn't say it in scripture, in this passage. But I want to say it implies it and, it, um, and living this message, I can see it happen over and over and over again, okay? So what I'm going to say, just listen to me. He's the vine and we're the branches, okay? If I decide as this branch over here that actually I'm totally offended with this branch over here and I don't want to be associated with them or to be in relationship with them anymore, even though we're, we're all part of the same vine, okay? The only way I can disconnect from that person is if I disconnect from the vine because I can't disconnect this person from the vine. My choice in disconnecting from people and not loving them and choosing to be offended is that actually I, I choose to step away from connection at this point. It's, it's painful to even think about But actually, I watch as people choose offense and they step away and they begin to feel isolated and they begin to feel alone and they're wondering why they're struggling so much. Well, I'm telling you why. It's because love looks like something. And it looks like at that moment where you desperately want to disconnect from someone, you go, no, because I understand in this moment that actually my spiritual act of worship the way that I love him is that I obey his commandments. The way that I remain in him is that I obey him. And he has asked me, he has commanded me to love one another. It's not about teaching our kids the tool of disconnection. It's, it's about teaching them what reconciliation looks like. It's about teaching them that in that place of pain that they've got to learn that loving looks like confronting, that loving actually looks like something. And, and again, a message I've heard over and over again is that if you've, you're offended with somebody or you've got an issue or something's happened or you've been hurt, you get before the Father and you... You ask him to sort it out, you sort out your attitude. Now, I, I understand that, I totally get it. The number of times I have to go to him first and go, God, I'm feeling so much anger inside of me right now towards this person, I'm so hurt. Anger sits on top of pain, so often that anger is an illustration that there's pain inside of your heart. And it actually, you need to go before him and go, God, I need to understand grace again. I need to understand what forgiveness looks like. I need to understand what it looks like right now to prefer this person even in the midst of pain. But it doesn't look like just getting up and then walking on and carrying on, knowing that God sorted that out. It looks like going, God, give me the strength, give me the grace, give me the right attitude to go towards this person and reconcile with them, sort it out because we are wanting to be one. It looks like reconciliation. Let me give you a silly example of that. 
um, and this isn't true, I just totally made it up, but if my son, um, every time he came in from school, he walked in, in and he uh, opened the door, he left his school bag by the door, leaving the front door open and, and goes about his, his day. I would come down the stairs or come in and go, why is the door open? Why is, why is the door open? That means the dog's probably run out and got run over on the road because he's not thought about, about that. It means our heating bill's going through the roof because of all of the cold air's coming in. And it means that his school bag with his computer in is sitting there that anybody can take. Now, if I go before the father and I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated with my son, God, I'm, you know, I, would you help me? Would you, would you help him to shut that door? How ridiculous is that? It's actually my role, it's my, it's my pleasure to go to him and say, hey, can we have a conversation about what this looks like? Because either you're not thinking or you're not caring, and both of those things I've got a slight issue with. <laughs> and I go to him and I'm, I'm like, can I just, from my point of view, can I explain what this feels like? And then he gets an opportunity to explain why he's doing that. Now, if he doesn't, want to change his behavior, and if he wants to come in every day and leave the front door open, then that is at the point where I go, okay, I love you, I'm in relationship with you, wanna, wanna be fully connected to you, but pass us your keys. Because until you understand that there are consequences to you leaving the door open, I can't give you those keys. Love looks like something and it's often hard and it's a choice and it is about going and caring enough that this is what he says. I'm the vine and you're the branches. So when I'm frustrated and struggling with people and I don't feel like I'm one with them, I choose in that moment to love them, to serve them, to lay down my life, but to go to them and to reconcile with them because I don't want anything affecting my connection with the vine at that point. We know, don't we, that, that love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not rude, it's not demanding. We know that love rejoices in the truth, it never gives up, it never loses faith and is always hopeful. We know that it endures through all circumstances. The Bible teaches us what love looks like and I, I wanna say that unless you understand that it's actually supernatural, <laughs> that you have to be connected with the vine in order to live a life like that, you're gonna continue to try and you're gonna continue to fail and continue to mess up and get more and more disillusioned and more and more hurt. Jesus says, I didn't choose, he says, um, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit. I commissioned you. So everyone in this place right now needs to feel that heart of the Father that goes, hey, no matter where you are, no matter what's been happening, I see you, I know you, I choose you, and I commission you to go and produce fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, we know, isn't it like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. He's wanting the fruit of his people to be distributed throughout the world. And he's going, I am commissioning you. I'm co-missioning you. 
as we allow him to flow through us supernaturally, his supernatural, sacrificial, agape love models to the world what it looks like. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a choice every day. It's not a big gesture of like, oh yeah, we're going to demonstrate to the world what love looks like. Boom, we do this. It's in the little things that we do every day. It's about having an integrity and authenticity of love because we are abiding with the one who demonstrated that love for us. And I, my message is it starts in the home. It starts in the way you love in your house. We know that sacrifice <laughs> means that it's going to cost us and it's going to hurt. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and that's why Jesus commanded us to do it, because we're not going to feel like it. But he also said, hey, <laughs> I'm going to fill you with joy. Not that you can go around looking all sacrificial and miserable, but actually, as you do this, you're filled with joy. If I can find where it says it. Somebody give me the verse where it says it. Uh, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you would be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. <laughs> supernatural. We're called to be naturally supernatural because we are connected. And so somehow in that choice to love, in that choice to lay down our lives, in that choice to prefer one another, it doesn't look like me walking around uh, with a m just a miserable, lacking in energy, um, going, yeah, you get to be part of this as well if you want. <laughs> it looks like knowing that as we choose to do that, there's a reward in it for us because he's a good daddy. And he sees that as we obey him, he begins to reward us. And we begin to know that as we choose that, we're delighting him. We're delighting our dad. I've just lived the last few weeks where it's just felt like I've been living this message. It's everything has felt so painful and so hard. And, and yet I'm, I'm choosing to go, yeah, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm just, I'm just going to love you. Because as I do that, I see the delight and the pleasure on my father's face. And I'm like, oh, that means so much more to you than me singing a song right now. There's something in my act of worship to you, God, that goes, I prefer, prefer you. And as I abide, then you fill me. You fill me with that joy that makes me come alive inside, that makes me realize that this is what life looks like. I'm going to finish by reading you a snippet of, of my journal. And, I, and again, I've just explained to you what the last few weeks for me have looked like. But, but this is what he says in those moments of choosing him. I don't know if the band want to come back up. 
also want there to be a, you to feel an invitation for more of his love this morning. I, I love the fact that some of the prophets of the house stood up and they just wanted to communicate love of the Father this morning. And uh, I just want you to hear his heart of love as, as what we often feel is, is the pain and the cost. I want you to see what he sees as we choose to love anyway. So this is what I felt like he said to me the other day. From everlasting to everlasting is my love for you. Never changing, never fading, always pursuing, always choosing you. You are seen and known. You are made for my love to fill you and always surround you. You were born with a heart to grow in love all the days of your life and therefore always experience me more and more. The whole of eternity waits with longing for you to understand how loved you are, to see that my love for you always makes a way for you and therefore you never have to anything to fear. One with me, there is no stopping you. My love and my life is limitless and so now is yours. Reach without fear of falling, reach for more of your dreams. One with me as you step up, all of heaven pours through you and your breath is filled with miraculous power and life-giving, world-changing possibilities. The scars that you wear are like immovable mountains of authority. Every time you have been hurt and yet chosen in faith to love anyway, you have been given another high place of authority, which you stand where you can stand and direct others in the way of love. Every time you choose to stay soft and allow me to protect you, your heart naturally grew in its capacity to love instead of recoiling in pain. Each rock that has been thrown at you to try to stop your belief in love, I have fashioned into a jewel in your crown. Every knife that's thrust towards you is melted down and cups of covenant are molded, places of intimacy and equipping instead of pain and division. As you drink from my cup, made from the melting down of the sword thrust into my side, you receive the infilling of sacrificial love. A love that gives up his last breath so that you can be filled with the everlasting breath of life. Be filled. Jesus, I'm so aware that you paid the ultimate price of love and you fought for every breath on that cross so that the breath of life could be poured out to everyone. And I thank you for modeling what it looks like to lay down your life. To be filled with the joy that was set before you and endure the cross and please your Father in heaven 
Father, I'm asking that for those that just need a reminder that there's an invitation to be connected to the vine this morning, Lord, that they'd feel that invitation of love. They'd feel that fresh (coughs) pursuing love that sees them and knows them and is, is asking them to come closer. I'm asking, Father, that our revelation of being connected to you, our, our experience of being connected to you, Lord, and as you're the vine, would increase in this church. That all of us this week would go home and have encounters with you, Jesus, where we feel the love of God pulsating through our beings, where we feel the breath of God filling our lungs with life and with joy and with hope afresh. And I'm asking, Father, that this church would look like the family of God that you are creating it to be, that, that, that we would look like the bride of Christ that, that understands that we each have a role to play, that you're the Lord, you're the head of the body, and that as we, as we remain part of that body, we all play our roles we begin to function correctly. We begin to prefer one another, lay down our lives so that we can move and shape and, and, and together be one body. And God, I'm asking that, that our expression as a church worldwide, Lord, would look like that we understand that we're not isolated Christians just in this family, but there are Christians all over the world that are connected to the vine and that our job is to love them is to not judge them, is to not just think of how we can have a go, but is to go, ah, in the confusion and not understanding right now and not knowing where, where you're at. I choose any way to love you. I, I do not speak judgment. I do not speak hate. I do not divide the body in any way because daddy, it's your pleasure, it's your pleasure that we would be one, that we would experience the oneness of the Trinity, that we would experience the oneness of, of Jesus, being one heart, one mind with you, Jesus. I thank you that you take the pain that we've experienced, a disappointment, God, in love, where it's just hurt and it's cost us something, And you take that and you fashion it into something beautiful and you reward us in our choices to prefer one another. And I'm asking, oh God, I'm asking that the way that we live this out, the way that we serve one another, Lord, would invite those who don't know what love looks like they would, that it would set off in their minds this week. What is that? What is it that makes you do that? God, would you awaken hearts to be curious as to the love of God inside of us so that others may come in and experience that too, that they can come into the vine, that they can be connected with us. Father, thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for grace. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Where we've, where we've not done it, Lord, would you forgive us and break our hearts, Lord, with what breaks yours. So that everything about our message looks like love. For your glory, Jesus.